When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It ain't the left side or the right side, and it must be the fin side. Thank you, Solo D. Welcome to another episode of On the Fin Side here with Kat and Paul Pickin. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Spreaker, iTunes, YouTube, iHeartRadio, and on Spotify. Also, check out our merchandise store, too, on thefinside.threadless.com. Paul, we've been doing the show since beginning of 2014 or end of 2013, depending on who you ask. This is the first time the Dolphins have started the season 2-0. and And I'm not positive, but I think it's the first time the Dolphins at any point have been in first place in the AFC East. You were down at MetLife Stadium this past week for the MetLife take- Takeover it's always a big thing. Thousands of people now go. Dolphins NYC do a terrific job of that. How was your whole experience of the weekend? Dude, I can't say enough good things about the things that Michelle, Igor, Brian, and Alex all do up there, as well as everybody else that helps out with this. I mean, it, it's it's truly, truly an experience that if you haven't gone and you're listening to the show, going to the stadium in Miami is an experience. This is a whole different one. It's a ton of fun. Uh, If you get in and you're there on Saturday, there's usually a huge pre-party Saturday night. Uh, Solo D comes and performs, which is always a good time. They have raffles. They raffled off an autographed Jason Taylor jersey, a ball autographed by the team. So, yeah, I mean, the ball raffled off, signed by various Dolphin legends. They've got a ton of different merch. It raises a ton of money for charity. On top of that, this was kind of special to me that this year – the buses from Slattery's in New York, they they had different names. And I know we had our On the Fin Side bus, which was a lot of fun. Uh, we definitely had a good time with that. We got over to the game. We had a catered tailgate that you can buy into uh, open bar. So it got very fun for a few people. And then the Dolphins came out. I'm sure if you watch the website and watch Cup of Joe, you could see the Dolphins really participated here. I mean, Mark Duper and Mark Clayton were at our tailgate. Kim Bowcamper, Nat Moore. Joe Rose, a little bit lesser known, but definitely a hero of the day for everybody that that knows how it works behind the scenes. Jason Jenkins is always out there. Some of the beat reporters are there. Um, it, it, it's a great time. The game itself is amazing. Getting to you know see all the reactions out there, not just that from the fans, but from the players. At one point, towards the end of the game, you could see Jordan Phillips and Andre Branch dancing and pointing up to to the group up in the stands where where we had taken over like. You know, four sections, and, and it, it's absolutely awesome going into Jets territory, taking it over, bringing home the win, watching the Jets fans evacuate the stadium a little bit early, and, and really a good time. And on top of that, 
the on the fin side bus had a conga line going on the way back all the way through the Lincoln Tunnel. So it was a lot of fun. Awesome to hear. One of these times, Jamie Nails is going to show up there, and you're not going to do, know what to do with yourself. Hey, I handled sure. John Offered all well. I handled Offered all well. <laughs> Nails is my sec or is, is like my second or third favorite here. So I handled Offered all well when he had butted me. So, Paul, the Dolphins were up 20 to nothing at the end of the first half, thanks to a three first-half touchdowns. Would have been 21 nothing if not for a Jason Sanders missed extra point. Let's go through that. So, at the beginning, the Dolphins get an interception by T.J. McDaniel, take, take it back to the 15-yard line, sets up a Kenyon Drake touchdown. A little bit uh, later in the, in the half, about five minutes left, there's another turnover by Kiko Alonso, recovered by Raekwon McMillan. It leads to a 29-yard touchdown from Ryan Tannehill to Albert Wilson. Wilson made a tremendous juke move on that toward the end. They gave him the leverage to get to pay dirt on that one. And third, A.J. Derby gets his first NFL – or excuse me, his first catch as a Miami Dolphin, a 19-yard touchdown on a great throw in the end zone by Ryan Tannehill, a real complete first half by the Dolphins on defense, on special teams, and on offense. It really was. I mean, it, I had a Jets fan at one point say to me, well, enjoy your 45-point win. I'm going home. So that in and of itself tells you how thoroughly Miami dominated the first half. But I'll be honest with you on this. What Miami did in the second half impressed me a little bit more. Yet the Jets got back into the game – but the way that Miami slammed the door shut at the end, and in particular, even though it wasn't with his arm, it was with his legs, Ryan Tannehill slammed the door shut. This is the first time I can really point back at and say Ryan Tannehill took the team on his back at the end and willed this team through the end of this game. I'm tired of the criticism out there. If you don't like it, I'm sorry. Go ahead and roast me in our comments. But Tannehill took this team on his back at the end, using his legs, and, and really did everything in his power to keep this team in it. I loved what I saw from Tannehill, and this, I think, is one of those turning points we're going to look back at. So with five minutes and 56 seconds left in the game, and when things were starting to get really tense, the Dolphins were still up at that point, 20 to 12, and this is a drive that they really had to come back and slam the door on. And it reminded me of 2016 when there were so many of those games in the fourth quarter, Tannehill overcame the criticism, overcame the odds, and often slammed the door. He did on this one, too. It was a five-minute, five 56-second drive where the Dolphins ended up kneeling the clock out. But I will say this. Uh, you know, when it comes to Ryan Tannehill, there was a lot I didn't like in this game. But – and I'll, I'll go through that here is, first of all, in, in the first half, Ryan Tannehill, 12 for 15, 113 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Second half, the Dolphins struggled to move the ball a lot, five for eight for 55 yards. He also had a fumble that when the Dolphins were, were up 20 to six, that could have swung the momentum of the game. Lucky, Xavier Howard had an interception on the next drive. And he was sacked five times. And I look at four of them, and I, I point the finger at Ryan Tannehill. I mean, three of those five sacks, he held the ball for almost – or for 4.8 seconds or longer. So there was a lot with Tannehill that I didn't like in the game. But I will give him the benefit of the doubt on this. 
the Dolphins were up 20 to nothing at a certain point, and Tannehill was almost near perfect throwing the ball. Completely. And, and one play in particular I want to go back to as well was that little screen dump to Frank Gore when, when nobody was open. Jets coverage was very tight on the play. And I don't think Gore was supposed to go out on a pass pattern. I think that was a wily veteran move to, to sneak out. And, and Tannehill, good job for him spotting him, dumped the ball over to him with no one around. And I, I swear to God, Frank Gore has to have the Terminator vision and be able to see exactly where that yellow line is because he ran up and immediately dropped six inches on the other side of it before he got hit. I mean, how wily of a veteran move was that on both ends of the spectrum there? The Dolphins are 9-1 and one in the last 10 games with Ryan Tannehill, and in those 10 games, Ryan Tannehill is a quarterback rating of 101. The question is, when I look at a game like this, what's going to happen when the Dolphins face a tough, tough stretch of opponents and the D isn't causing as many turnovers as they did in this game? Kudos to Ryan Tannehill, especially in that last drive. I'm still waiting for that game, and I'm looking at week four in New England. Is that the game Ryan Tannehill outduels a legend to take the Dolphins to hopefully 4-0? So, Paul, the quarterback spot, taking a look at it here. I'm going to give Ryan Tannehill still a B-. minus. I give him the benefit of the doubt because he had, a, he had a really good first half. In the second half, I saw a lot I didn't like, and he also, in this game – had 44 yards rushing, which is the most rushing yards he's had since the middle of, of the 2014 season against the Chargers at Webb Weekend, a game we went to. So I'm going to go with a B-plus here with Tannehill. What, what, do, what are you going to give him? You and I have a little bit of different opinions on this. I think we already knew that before we started our grades here. For me, it's going to be an A-minus for Tannehill. I liked what he did, even though he didn't throw down a sexy stat line. I like the leadership qualities I saw in this game. I like the way he didn't break when things didn't go his way. And, and I really love the fact that he outrushed the entire Jets offense, uh, who only had, I believe, 42 yards rushing to Tannehill's 44. Let that sink in. Our quarterback ran for more yards than the Jets' entire offense. So for me, I, I'm going with an A- for Tannehill. I really liked a lot of what I saw from him, even though the style line wasn't sexy. Yeah, and I mean the stat line was good too. I mean, 123 quarterback rating there. I there was a lot in here that I I don't think was present on the stat line too. But then again, those rushes were big and they added a different dimension to the Dolphins' offense. We've been asking for that for years, and they finally provided that. So the running back spot, Kenyon Drake, 11 carries, 53 yards, and a touchdown. Combined with Frank Gore, the Dolphins' running backs had 20 carries for 78 yards. And a touchdown, 3.9 yards a carry. But the play of the game, I think, from both guys came on the final drive. Frank Gore had the amazing play that you talked about. It's third and 19. He's in the block. And I think you're right there, Paul, that he slipped away at the last second, caught a screen pass, and there was nobody in front of him. And I didn't know if he was going to have the wheels to get to that first down marker watching it from home. But he did. And basically, it iced the game for the next one. So Kenyon Drake also had a 20 yard rush on that last drive too. It was just a fantastic job there icing that game overall, you know, it's, it, it gets hard to, to grade the running back sometimes because it's so dependent on the offensive line. I'm going to give, I'm going to give them a B. 
I'm going to actually stick with my A minus here. I know we didn't have a hundred yard rusher, but we had a very complete game and it felt like nearly every carry from both of these guys was absolutely critical in this game. And they had a game saving moment that play we both already talked about. And they also were both factors in the receiving game. So for me, the running back position, they did everything that was asked of them and they did it well and they did it effectively. So I have no qualms giving these guys an A minus. So you've got so the Dolphins scored twenty points in offense and no points in the second half. So we're gonna mm-hmm. keep going down these grades here. So I'm I'm kinda of curious where the where the grades are gonna dip at here for you, if at all. Let's uh, go to the receiving unit. So in this ties back to another question I have is you know, it's hard for me to see the separation with the wide receivers and the tight ends when I'm sitting at home. So sometimes if Tannehill holds on to the ball for a little bit too long, maybe there was just literally nothing there and he just can't throw it away or throw in, or risks throwing an interception. I'm not sure. It looked like the receivers to me had some problems separating. Uh, Kenny Stills goes from 106 yards last game to 17 here. Albert Wilson again has the big second quarter and then seemingly disappears. You know, I, I got to say I'm looking a little bit forward to Devontae Parker possibly coming back in the lineup next week because I think that there could be some more mismatch possibilities, especially with size. But you had a better view of it in the stadium than I did. What what did you see out of the receiving unit? I'm getting a little worried about Mike Kosicki. I know he's a rookie. And what we saw in the preseason out of him versus what we're seeing in the regular season, I'm definitely worried about. I mean, Albert Wilson, he could have had an even sexier stat line if he had two more steps to get to that ball that that just got overthrown on him because he did get separation there. But agreed, they were struggling to get separation in this game, which is a little surprising given given how much speed the Dolphins have at the wide receiver position that they weren't able to shake somebody loose a little more often. But that being the case, I've got to give these guys a, a, a B... A B, mainly because of Albert Wilson's amazing contribution in the running game on that touchdown, because that was a hell of a play. And there were, Jakeem Grant would have broken a lot better play there if he didn't get you know, his head ripped off uh, by the guy that missed the tackle there and Buster Screen. But I'll give these guys a B. I'm going to go with the C plus. I, you know, I think we're having a common theme here. I'm a little bit of a tougher grader than you are. On that. That's okay. You, you had the better view, so I'm not gonna not, not gonna go too far into that. Offensive line, one of the rarest things that the Dolphins have in the league in a league with such bad offensive line play. You've got two outstanding offensive tackles. It's so great to see knock on wood Laramie Tunzel play as well as he has in these first two games. Because the the first quarter of the first game against the Titans, when Tunzel had two penalties in the first seven or eight minutes of the game. I was starting to think, here we go again. But you heard nothing out of Laramie Tunzel's side there. The only things that you heard were positive things, one of which was Ted Larson and Laramie Tunzel walling off the defender when Drake had that 20-yard run. So hell of an effort by him. Again, Juwan James at right tackle was keeping his defenders at bay. Very few pressures from that side couple of things that stuck out uh Ted Larson did allow one sack he was a uh, late picking up one of the stunts I believe that was and no that was uh Brand, 
Brandon uh, Copeland, the outside linebacker who was blitzing. And without question, the most boneheaded play of the game, the Dolphins are up 20-6 to at the end of the third quarter. And Dan Kilgore just snaps the ball, and it hits right off his leg. And it hits off his leg in a way where nobody was even close enough to dive forward and get it. So the Jets ended up with the ball. Could have been a big turning play in that game. But I, I like the protection overall, even though, like I said, he had five sacks. I, I do blame Ryan Tannehill for a handful of those because they were giving him time to throw. Not a lot of holes in the running game, but some holes were there too. Overall, uh, I'm going to give this unit a B for this game. And this is where I become a tougher grader than you. It's, I'm glad you touched on it, but for that Dan Kilgore play, and I love Dan Kilgore, we're going to start there. The fact that he snapped the ball off his ankle, not even just like his leg, like he hit his thigh, whatever. He snapped the ball off his ankle. Like it, it looked like the ball was on fire, and, and he just had to get it off his hand as fast as he could. And then how do you not know you did that? He didn't even turn to look for it. Instead, he fired out the block. And it's like, you know, what a boneheaded drive-killing play that was. As good as he is in most areas, that was a little bit rough to see. I, I saw some times where there were some good things with the offensive line, but I also saw how badly we missed Josh sitting in this game. And I think sitting elevates the play of those around him. I love what I see out of our, our offensive tackles, but the middle of the line at, at the guard spots I felt like was a little bit suspect in this one. So for me, I'm going to give them a very low B minus. Yeah, not a lot of push on the inside, that's for sure. And it, hopefully that the offensive line, especially on the interior, all I'm looking for from this point out, don't mess up. You know, if you don't destroy somebody on a play, that's okay. Just make sure Ryan Tannehill can be kept upright and there's enough room for Kenyon Drake and Frank Orr to get some holes to make some big plays. We're starting to see that a little bit. If the line plays in the rest of the year like they did the first two games, then I'm satisfied. But we are going to miss Josh Sitton. That was a huge loss from this past week. Moving along to the defensive side of the ball, they shut out the Jets in the first half. It's 20 to nothing at halftime. Great final stand there on the one-yard line when uh, rookie Chris Herndon catches the pass at the two, gets stuck, drops the ball, fumbles it, and then picks it up and is down at the one. The defensive line, can't say enough about them right now after two games. I mean, especially the, the D-tackle rotation. Gotcha played great. Jordan Phillips played great. Even Akeem Spence played great. And I keep wanting to see more and more of Vincent Taylor at the defensive tackle spot. Jets running backs in this game, 17 carries for 42 yards. The Over the first two games, 3.3 yards a carry from the Titans and the Jets running backs. Phenomenal job by them up front. Robert Quinn had a sack, and he was actually responsible for Jordan Phillips' sack, too. I mean, this is the second time in the first half Quinn destroys people. Cameron Wake, not you haven't heard much of him here in the first two games, but I really did see the Jets trying to double-team Cam Wake all game. And they should, given that Wake had three and a half sacks last year. William Hayes also had a sack. He seemed to be all over the place. I'd like to see a little bit more out of Andre Brantz and Charles Harris. It always seems like there's a letdown when they get extended playing time. But 17 carries for 42 yards out of a running game that had almost 200 yards the week before. 
Very good stuff here. I'm going to go with an A minus for the defensive line. I'm right there with you on the A minus. I love what I'm seeing out of a lot of guys here. And, and one thing in particular that I'm really loving is, in, and I have to go back to this, is the fact that we've talked all preseason, all offseason, all last season about the way that the responsibilities were lining up with the wide nine scheme. And give Matt Burke a little bit of credit here, too. He found a way to work the wide nine scheme and still have the defensive line have a little bit more responsibility for the running game than they have in the past. So that has been a huge, huge boost, both in terms of containing quarterbacks and containing running backs. And really, what what Miami did here, and it's not just the D-line, but as far as Bilal Powell has always been a Dolphins killer in, in past games. And Bilal who? I mean... It, the entire running game, as we've talked about extensively now, was non-existent. Five carries for six yards for Powell, including a four-yarder. So that was a huge win for this team. They're finding ways to shut down the things that have been a cancer for them in the past. And I love seeing it. God, I love seeing the development of Jordan Phillips. You know he's one of my favorites on the team. And, yeah, it, I, I'm excited here. I'm right there with you, Day Minus. Now, even though Bilal Powell had a terrible day run in the football, not a lot of, of room there. The linebacker spot, Raekwon McMillan did let up that big first touchdown to him here. I mean, just absolutely juked out of his pants on that. And it seems to be a common theme with Raekwon in coverage, unfortunately. Powell did have five catches for 76 yards in the passing game, not much in the running game, though. And I've got some issues with Raekwon there. I'd like to see a little bit more Jerome Baker who covers a lot more ground and Baker had two big tackles for loss too. He's starting to get in the backfield a little bit more, but Kiko Alonso on the season now an interception, two forced fumbles and really is looking like he's owning it out there. Sometimes he still takes some bad angles or sometimes he's really behind in a play, but overall it's been few and far between. I mean, I I'm impressed with what I've seen out of Kiko with the linebacker spot. Yeah, it's, Coverage-wise, it still needs a lot of work. I don't know if that's going to get fixed this year, especially with Raekwon on the field. I don't want to see him on the field for 65 defensive plays again, especially in pass coverage. So taking all that into consideration there, Kiko takes this grade up big time for me, but I'm going to stay with a solid B. I'm glad you mentioned that because that's one thing I wanted to make a point of in this, in, in this episode in particular is I know we've talked a little bit this offseason about how Kiko's played a little better than we've expected and seems to have settled into that outside linebacker spot. So, yeah, Kiko definitely really helps us. I mean, 13 tackles, two forced fumbles, including a monster of a forced fumble early in the game. And, and you're right. It, we need to see more Jerome Baker. If Ray continues to struggle in coverage, I'm a little bit surprised still at the lack of speed. I don't know if he lost a step with the injury that he hasn't gotten back yet or what, but I'd almost love to see where Rake is in there in the base defense. And then when they go to the nickel, you leave Jerome Baker and Kiko on the field. I'd be okay with that. It's Baker might have some growing pains as a rookie, but you know what? He's fast and he can make up for some of that with his speed. So I'd love to see that. Yeah, and Raekwon, too, I mean, I, for what I've said about him in coverage, I do think he's doing a very good job for a 22-year-old linebacker 
getting putting his head in there against the run. I think that's very responsible for how the Dolphins are doing against the run. Not not he's that he's completely responsible, but against the run, I really like him. Against the pass, I don't think so. So I think it's time to start getting him off the field a little bit more. I wouldn't mind seeing a little bit more Chase Allen on there too. And the Dolphins almost exclusively go with five DBs and two linebackers. So I'd like to see Baker and Kiko right now be those two linebackers. I think they can cover a lot more ground than Raekwon. What's your uh, grade at the linebacker spot, Paul? Oh, it was a B plus. And let's uh, throw it to the secondary before we get to special teams. Opposing quarterbacks this year against the Dolphins, 56.6 quarterback rating from the Titans and the Jets quarterbacks this year. Xavier Howard has a huge interception uh, after the Tannehill fumble. It took at least three points off the board. He got both feet down. Xavier Howard now five interceptions in his last eight NFL games. T.J. McDonald set the tone earlier with his first interception as a Miami Dolphin, too. Took it back to the 15. A couple plays later, Kenyon Drake's in the end zone. Bobby McCain, can't say enough good things about him. Minka continues to wow. I'm saying all this good stuff here, but at the end of the day, Paul, the Jets have 334 yards passing from Sam Darnold. They do, and, and they did complete a lot to their wide receiver group. Xavier uh, Howard had a good game yet again. It, it, he's really turning it on into X Island out there. They, they very much shied away from him until they threw at him in the end zone and he made him pay for it. Uh, the pass coverage, it had its great moments and it had its, its not-so-great moments. It was kind of odd to me that Miami seems so worried about somebody getting over the top from the Jets that even before the snap, they had a safety, not just playing deep center, but we're talking deep, 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 deep center on almost every play, which left a little bit open underneath there. So they, they definitely were over-respecting the deep ball out of Darnold here. And, and I do mean over-respecting it. They need to keep all three safeties a little more involved in the play because you you don't play 10-man football, and I'm sorry, but having the, they've got the talented safeties that, that can run with folks and get deep if they have to. It's all three are too good in run support. All three are too good in the short passing game. We need to keep them a little bit closer. I'm not saying they have to be in the box, but – somewhere in the vicinity of the same half of the field would be nice. I'd like to see him switch it up a little more. And you're exactly right. If it's a Bengal, former Bengals defensive coordinator, Matt Burke, Vance Joseph, and especially Kevin Coyle, you know, they're going to be playing way farther off the football than they have to be. And it requires that, that defensive back to run a lot further up. One good thing about that is the Dolphins, didn't let them get in the end zone. So some of it may have worked, but you also got to think how much of it is actually not accomplishing what they want to. I thought Rashad Jones had a terrible game here. I mean, and sometimes you're going to see that out of Rashad Jones. I mean, you, you have him in the last game has two huge game changing interceptions in this game. He did have that one play at the end of the half where he stuck the guy, but other than that, Man, oh, man, it was it was not looking good. And before that, Rashad Jones, very responsible because he had to run such a long way for letting up a 50 or 44-yard catch to Terrell Pryor. 
I would say out of uh, Darnold's 300 and something passing yards, Jones was responsible for a lot of them. PFF actually gave him a game, a grade of 29.1 in this, which is one of the lowest you can give. Take it with a grain of salt, but when it jumps off the page like that and it matches what we see on there, I think that that says something. No reason to worry about Rashad Jones, but it is interesting. He is very, he can be more hit and miss than a lot of the other star players. He can, but I'm going to give Jones a little bit of credit here. He's definitely one of the best players in the Dolphins, one of the best players in the AFC East, and really in the NFL as a whole. So everybody has a bad game once in a while, and I'll still give the secondary a B-plus here, even though they allowed a lot of receiving yards. They kept them out of the end zone, like you pointed out. Yeah, I'm going to go I'm going to go with a B. Uh, Xavier Howard, McDonald have the big plays. Did let up a lot of yardage. Overall, I like these these front five guys. Wish they would give a little more uh dying defense here. Special teams real quickly, Paul, we always breeze through this. Jason Sanders misses the kick at the end. Matt Hawk has an incredible day. Five punts inside the 20, an average of 48.5. I think he had as much to do with this victory as just about everybody else. And Jakeem Grant, it doesn't seem like a big deal, but he catches two punts, makes a few guys miss. He's got the ball up at the 40-yard line now. So I think there were, I think Darren Rizzi's team did get back on track here. I'm going to give this unit a B plus. I'm going to go with an A minus here. I mean, Jakeem Grant had a good game in the return game, like you pointed out. And despite the missed extra point, which drags it down a little bit here. You know, Jason Sanders kept him pinned, kicking the ball into the end zone every time. Matt Hawk, God, he averaged 48.5 yards per punt with a 63-yarder, but every single punt out of his six punts was inside the 20. Imagine if he had more field to work with, what he would have ended up with. It felt like anything he kicked, no matter where he kicked it from, would end up inside the opponent's 10-yard line potentially. So good on him, good on the return game, good on the coverage units. A minus easily. We got. We cannot be missing extra points though. Yeah, I'm going to switch my grade to an A minus too, uh, for a lot of the reasons you said. I just had a change of heart. What a uh, great victory here! Dolphins are two and zero. Play the Raiders next week, and if they can win against the Raiders and get to three and zero, you got New England the week after that in Miami. That can be one of the biggest games in a decade. I can't wait to see how this all unfolds. That'll do it for our breakdown of the Dolphins-Jets matchup. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Spreaker, iTunes, YouTube, iHeartRadio, and on Spotify. Also, be sure to check out our merchandise store, too, on thefinside.threadless.com. And if it's not on the right side and it's not on the left side, it is on the fin side. Solo D, take us home. It ain't the left side or the right side. Then it must be the fin side. Fin side. It ain't the left side, left side or the right, right side. side. And it must be the fifth side. Listen, Dolphins fans across the land all tuning in to see what Brian Cat and Paul about to do again. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.